welcome to episode 123 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 26th of April 2021. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. Four. Graham. 123 testing. <laughs> and Will. Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are again, and I've got to start with a bit of a rant and a bit of a cry for help. So I use Chrome on Android. What are you going to do? You know, I should be using Firefox, whatever. That's not the solution failing. It is. It's not, but I have a problem with grid view. So the old tab view works fine for me, and I hate grid view, and it keeps coming back no matter what. This is on Lineage 17.1 on the OnePlus 6. And no matter what I do, it keeps coming back. And I go into Chrome flags and then find grid and then change the options there. And that used to work for a while, but then that stopped working. And now it just keeps coming back and won't go away until I clear the data. Well, I tried uninstalling it and that worked, but then I thought, "Mm, maybe I can just clear the uh, data for it. That worked. So then I have to log into everything again and get all the notifications of, oh, you've logged into this, that, and the other. Ball ache. So someone please help. How do I fix this? So, a little peek behind the curtain. Sometimes, when I'm drunk at night, I think, hmm, what are we going to talk about on the show? And the other day, I came up with a great idea. What if we went to DistroWatch, pressed the random distribution button, and then tried out that distro and talked about it? We could call it First Impressions. Now, clearly, this is a recycled idea from Linux Luddites way back in the day. Some of you may remember that. And this got me thinking, is there any merit in doing that? Is there any point in trying out random minority distros? I'm going to argue yes, but I want to hear what you guys think about that. And also, is DistroWatch the place to find new distros these days? Or is there a more modern way, like looking on Reddit or something? I'm going to agree with you and say I do think it's worthwhile doing. Um, I used to do this much more, you know, maybe 10 years ago, uh, be more experimental. But I think that's a reason to kind of revisit the idea because I'm not really sure what some of those distros are doing so differently or why they exist. So I think it is a good idea and it's quite an exciting thought of trying something new. Um, as to DistroWatch, as we know, it's never been ideal, but it's it's up to date. It does have a big list of distros and that's all we need, isn't it? Yeah, it's got that random button, the all-important random button. I am fairly terrible at doing this. I could probably count on two hands the amount of distros I've ever tried in my life. So, yeah, probably not a bad idea to do, to be forced into some sort of alternate look at a different desktop. Are we just going to do desktops? Are we going to try, not necessarily server installs, but are we going to try things that perhaps don't come with a GUI desktop? What kind of thing are you thinking? Well, I don't know. I don't know what's out there, but then maybe there's something that comes with a text-based uh, interface only, but we can still manage to get you know, Spotify running and we can still manage to get our email and we can still manage to browse the web and those sorts of things. Great. I look forward to having to learn all those Vim bindings that I never bothered to <laughs> ever learn before. <laughs> yeah, I think if they come up, we should consider it. Yeah, things like Ubuntu Core is the, the obvious one that uh, you know, you've got all the snaps and everything. That I haven't tried for ages i think i tried it very briefly once but uh yeah i mean i was mostly thinking about desktop distros because we're all pretty set in our ways me with my xfce you two graham and failing with your plasma kde and will you i mean you're pretty entrenched in gnome at this point aren't you yeah i i'm too lazy to learn something new 
Yeah, but if you're forced to, then that would be good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would look forward to being forced to. Shall we try and record the show from that new distro? Mm, that's a good question. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. So when I envisaged this, I thought, well, it's not realistic to expect you three to do this on hardware and you know, for us all to check out every distro. I've got the time just about to do this. You three are very busy. So I thought that each time we could do it, one of you plus me will look at it, and then the other two can just ask questions about it. Or if you have time, you can have a look at it as well. And I was also thinking that to make it easy on you lot, you could do it in a VM, whereas I've got a laptop that I can test it on. Well, I have got an excellent laptop for testing random distros on. Uh, It's known as the haunted laptop, and if there was ever (laughs) a, a bug... That needs to be found. That's the laptop that will reproduce it. So Fantastic. I'll gladly try it on that machine. Oh, right. What is that then? A ThinkPad? No, it's a Dell Inspiron 11. It's probably 10 years old now. And I took the old slow spinning rust disk out and put an SSD in. And that combination of slow CPU and fast disk really fucks things up. <laughs> <laughs> Computer overload, too much data. <laughs> Uh, what about the other two? Have you got any hardware you could do this on, or are you going to be VMing it? Oh, I'll be VMing it. Some of us actually do their day job on their Linux machine. Well, yeah, that's why I'm using a separate laptop to do this. <sighs> yeah, all my separate laptops like probably would go on fire if I plugged them in, and my other laptop is my work on-site laptop, so just no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to do it in a VM, but now we've, I've got a laptop down the side of a desk here that I've not used for ages. This sounds like a good reason to see if it actually works or not. I think I'll try it on real hardware. As for recording, the audio interface I use only works on my Hackintosh. <gasps> Have you just admitted to not using Linux to record this show, Graham? I thought I, thought I always had. Uh, well, who cares anyway? As long as you get me a flack, I'm not complaining. Uh, yeah, I don't think we should necessarily record on it. I mean, I'd had a crazy idea before about like specifically using like really weird distros to try and record and produce the show on but then i just thought no that's a terrible idea (laughs) i think let's just stick to what we know for recording if you really want to be extravagant just bash your hand with a lump hammer about an hour before (laughs) the show you'd be grand (laughs) yeah yeah my mouse hand so i totally can't edit yeah good idea all right well it sounds like we're going to do this and i don't know for how long and what distros um but uh, should we have a look to see what the first one's going to be then? So we go to DistroWatch, press the random distribution button. Endless OS. Okay, this is pretty mainstream, but then I don't suppose you lot... I haven't tried this for ages. Have you lot even tried this out ever? Never. No. no. I've seen screenshots, but I've never used it. Yeah, because it's uh, it's sort of Gnome-based, but not. It's their own shell, their own take on that. And... Um, Last time I tried, it's it's like it's different, and uh, it's the kitchen sink Linux is what I dubbed it before. So yeah, we'll try out Endless OS then. Who's going to do it with me this time? Who's going to go first? I'll do it. All right, cool. You can do it on your haunted laptop, and if the other two have time, but don't feel pressured. But will you've got to do it? Okay. Otherwise, you're in trouble. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I've just looked it up, and it's a 16 gigabyte download for the 64-bit desktop image. What? Well, I did say it was Kitchen Sink Linux. Yeah, it's got all of Wikipedia and stuff yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, fucking the whole IKEA catalog <laughs> and the NEF one while it's with it as well. Like. Well, I'm sure we can find a flash drive big enough to check it out. It'll be fine. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux to get started with $100 free credit and 60 days to use it. 
Linode offers cloud computing solutions in data centers all over the world. Whether it's scalable VMs with a choice of major distros or one-click apps and stacks, dedicated CPU and high RAM instances, block and object storage, or cloud firewalls and DDoS protection, Linode has everything you need for your personal projects right up to managed enterprise infrastructure. I recently moved our website over to Linode and it was really straightforward. And when I needed a mumble server for our community meetups, spinning up a new VM for that was an absolute breeze. Everything's been running flawlessly since I set it up, and I love the peace of mind I get from the automatic backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, get your $100 credit, and check out Linode's great cloud hosting services and first class always available support. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. On to a bit of admin then, and first of all, thank you everyone who supports us on PayPal and Patreon, we really do appreciate that. You can go to latenightlinux.com slash support for details. And remember, for $5 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. And if you want to get in contact, latenightlinux.com slash contact. Just a quick reminder, the next community mumble get-together will be on Friday the 7th of May at 10 p.m. UK time, latenightlinux.com slash mumble for details of that. Let's do some feedback then. And the first one is from Jim of Two and a Half Admins fame. And this was in our Twitter DM thread that I have with him and Alan. But, uh, you know, he's got direct access to me. What are you going to do? He said, it's generally not software updates making older phones slow. It's write endurance exhaustion on the storage. Phones and tablets have extremely small NAND storage, which means correspondingly low write endurance. I've witnessed this happen on every single phone or tablet I've owned for three plus years, which is uh, a good point. I'd not thought about that. But yeah, maybe that's why phones and tablets seem to slow down over the years. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd not not even thought about that. I think it was me that was complaining about my phone being so slow. Um, I wonder if there's a way of testing it, like using external storage, testing something on a rooted phone. Can you run like FIO or whatever it's called? Yeah, should do it on it. If I get a new phone, I'll test it at the beginning and then test it in a couple of years. Mm. Yeah, although that's only going to just wear the NAND out even more running tests (laughs) like that. My... OnePlus 3T is probably, well, it is actually probably over three years at this point. Still seems pretty quick. I think it's all that Android Google crap that you people keep installing. Well, that's what I thought it was. And that's what Jim's saying is not the case. And maybe it's slowed down slowly enough that you haven't noticed and it's still fast enough. Yeah, maybe I'm slowing down faster than my phone at this rate, to be quite <laughs> honest. Well, yeah, and now that you've been stuck inside for a year, you barely use the fucking thing. You just use your desktop most of the time. <laughs> I tried to do that anyway, because I hate phones. <laughs> well, exactly. So yours probably hasn't been written to as much as most people's. Yours is probably about three months old in terms of normal usage. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you never do any fucking updates. Yeah, yeah, I should, should get on that, I suppose. One of these days, eh? Pella says... Hi there, I was listening to the latest episode and the issue with Signal and the Lookout for alternatives. I believe XMPP Jabber is that alternative. It's been around for a very long time and you can use it everywhere and talk with different servers. I use conversations.im. It's a paid service, but the developer provides a free, more non-techy friendly solution with quicksee.im. It uses an implementation of the Signal encryption called Ammemo. Hope you check it out. The developer is quite friendly in a shameless plug. Here's a post I made in my blog about this. Oh, well, we'll link to that. It's not something that I'd heard of either, conversations.im or quicksee.im. Am I mistaken? Or wasn't that what Google Talk used to use back in like many, many years ago, that protocol? 
XMPP. Yeah, it certainly did because I was poking around in my DNS the other day and found that I still had some hacky workarounds to make Google Talk interface with uh, Jabber, but not anymore. It's all closed now. Mm. I used to run Prosody, which is a Jabber server. Um, I used to have family members just on it as well, but I never interconnected it with anything else. But that's the problem, is it? The network effect. Right, it's all well and good. It could be the best protocol in the world. It could have the best clients in the world. It could have the best encryption in the world. But if no fucker's using it, then I'm not using it. Well, that's the fundamental problem, isn't it? That um, unless you converse only with other technically savvy people, you're still going to end up needing one of those closed source solutions. Yeah, exactly. Well, on a similar note, Julian said, uh, you mentioned this crypto stuff going on with Signal, and I wanted to quickly shill for Threema. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's a small messaging app from Switzerland, which is completely end-to-end encrypted. You can even exchange the key manually if you want to have full privacy. And it has a solid business model, as the app is just $3 one time, and they have versions for businesses, which costs monthly. That way, you know they have a plan to keep the lights on without having to sell your data. In terms of functionality, it isn't quite up there with Telegram, WhatsApp, and all those, but they continue to improve on it and get better all the time. I really recommend checking them out. Well, again, same problem, network effect. It seems like if it's popular in Switzerland, then, you know, maybe it's going to do well there. But unless we just all suddenly decide, right, we're going to use that instead of Telegram or WhatsApp, it's just not going to happen. All right, Wasabi Burger said, you mentioned you were getting a new slash old AMD GPU, but it was not suited for machine learning. That's not exactly true. AMD has HIP and ROCM to deal with CUDA-like workloads. Well, that's alphabet soup, innit? Also, there were a few FOSDEM talks on using AMD GPUs this year. So I haven't had time to check these out yet, but that sounds promising. Because I was thinking, like, if I could do that AI upscaling, maybe start on pictures or whatever, like old grainy family photos and try and uh, upscale them to a higher resolution or whatever. Sometimes it's a bit like weird and obviously upscaled, but I've seen other results where it's pretty good. I think that one that one of you linked to in our super secret private chat during the week was pretty amazing. I mean, terrible band and all, but anyway, you, you, you take the rough with the smooth. What was that? I can't even remember now. Yeah, that was Genesis. Somebody had found some very old recordings. I don't know if they were bootlegs or what, but um, they started off with some pretty grainy handy cam, sort of shaky cam video. And uh, after they'd gone through the process, they were quite extraordinary. Um, we'll have to dig a link out and uh, put it in the notes. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, and like you obviously have the firmware on your phone, Joe, and I still think that my camera as much as it's terrible at nighttime, it looks real, whereas yours looks like somebody has flood-filled in light into various sections of photo, whereas this looks genuinely like proper exposure on the film. It's bizarre. Well, hopefully I can do that. I need to look at those uh, links that Wasabi Burger sent. Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven day free trial. I've just started my learning journey with CBT Nuggets, but I've already picked up tons of knowledge from the short and manageable videos in the Docker and Network Fundamentals courses. Their in-house trainers are active and certified IT professionals who add around 40 hours of new training to the course catalog each week, so you can always stay current and up to date. 
So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. So um, we have an email from Emil. The subject is a Bitcoiner's perspective on Signal's cryptocurrency nonsense. Right. I'm very optimistic about the possibility of Bitcoin and maybe Ethereum making a large positive impact on the world. But with that said, I was very disappointed when I saw the announcement that Signal was going to introduce some new and proven cryptocurrency. Unproven there for Joe. It stinks of the same type of failed model that semi-open projects companies have used for the last couple of years. However, the sentiment that it is legitimate and expected that ways to anonymously transfer money peer-to-peer are made illegal by governments that the people building such solutions anyway are just arrogant tech bros is wrong in so many ways, just like it is for end-to-end encryption. There is a real threat from governments around the world that they will make use of end-to-end encryption illegal. The solution is not to give up on developing user-friendly end-to-end encryption software. The solution is to make sure to build a system where there is no company, foundation, individual that can turn off the chat platform or introduce a backdoor. As has been seen with torrents, it's very hard to enforce a law where there is open software making a law very easy to break. I strongly believe that we should be allowed to talk and send money in a permissionless and private way. These rights are naturally enforced when the world was analogue. Regular face-to-face conversations and giving someone cash is very hard to do mass surveillance on. The comparison with blood-sucking capitalists like Uber making proper jobs into gig jobs is way off. Instead, the Bitcoin space is fostering a culture where people actually pay for digital goods. Having programmable money that is global and native to the internet opens up the door for innovations that will take us forward into something where everything is not funded by ads and the surveillance that comes with the desire to earn more money from those ads. There was one point that I think we made off-air to each other in the chat possibly but was the fact that adding the cryptocurrency stuff to a chat application actually means that the chat application is going to get wrapped up in potentially um like sec like money laundering type of rules so i think from that side of things we were saying that combining the two things together is a really bad idea and the fact that there is strict uh, legal enforcement on monetary stuff that is now going to pull in a chat application. Yeah, that's what we talked about on air, that that's probably a bad idea to combine them. And we had people saying that uh, maybe the best way was to have plugins or you know keep them separate somehow. But I, I do take the point that maybe it was kind of wrong to uh, conflate Bitcoin stuff with uh, Uber and whatnot, because Uber is just like this ruthlessly capitalist company, whereas Bitcoin is much more wild west isn't it it's much more distributed and no one's really in control of it so it's it's probably not a good analogy but it does i think it's just the nft thing has just tainted even further the whole blockchain thing like it was already like a little bit dodgy and had a bit of a stink about it but then nfts got massively popular and it just like feels just like that that's where the tech pro thing comes in i think well, I think the real problem is that this proof of work just isn't working. I mean, 
with so much i mean i know that there's a cliche saying this now but i just don't think this is the solution i don't think cryptocurrencies are the solution at the moment we're still looking for the right solution until that happens i think it's kind of irrelevant how how it's implemented or the, what the front end looks like i saw another article that said that the is it the proof of space or something like that that they're coming up with yeah, is the next yeah. way oh well that that's just going to drive prices of hard drives up it's you'd swear that this was orchestrated mm. by the hardware manufacturers going <laughs> Is there any way that we can sell these drives and processors for even more money? I think the answer will be quantum computing and Schrodinger's cat. Mm. <laughs> quantum blockchain. <laughs> because at first it was thought that the likes of Flatter and micropayments, that's the future of paying for stuff online. And that didn't take off. And then cryptocurrencies have come along. And now just the, you know, you've got Bitcoin burning so much power. And yes, some of it is solar and, you know, renewables or whatever, but an awful lot of it isn't a lot awful lot of it is fucking coal and stuff that's just ruining the environment further so you're right graham we haven't quite come up with it yet maybe there'll be some evolution maybe there'll be some way of doing something blockchain based or an evolution of that that doesn't require loads of hardware to be burning electricity 24 7 yeah and you're never going to spend bitcoin and keep the money you spend or receive in bitcoin are you because it's just useless as a, as a currency that keeps its value one way or the other. Well, I don't know about that because there are people I know, I won't name them just in case, but there are people I know who buy hardware with their fat Bitcoin stash directly. And so Bitcoin that they either mined or bought a long time ago that is now worth a lot more, they can just buy toys with essentially directly. Yeah, no, I'm not arguing against that and the fact that its value has increased immensely. I'm saying that if we're all dealing in Bitcoin, none of us could, none of us are keeping the Bitcoin for the value. You know, if you if you buy a pizza with Bitcoin, the pizza shop isn't keeping the value of the pizza in Bitcoin. No, they're immediately cashing out to fiat or whatever. Yeah. So it's just, it's a waste of time. Before we get any emails about it, I know that the existing financial system uses a shit ton of electricity as well in servers. You know, think about all the servers that deal with Visa or whatever, like they're burning a lot of juice as well, but they're trying to be as efficient as possible, whereas Bitcoin is inherently not. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Datadog, the unified monitoring and analytics platform for comprehensive visibility into cloud, hybrid, and multi-cloud environments. Quickly analyze the performance of your Linux servers in real-time with customizable dashboards and troubleshoot Linux issues in seconds with a unified view of your metrics, traces, and logs all in one place. With integrations for over 450 technologies, you can even use Datadog to monitor key Linux source metrics alongside data from the rest of your stack to get full visibility into the health and performance of your entire infrastructure. Start your Datadog trial today by visiting datadog.com slash late night Linux. Start your free trial, create one dashboard, and you'll get a free Datadog t-shirt. That's datadog.com slash late night Linux. We had a couple of emails about KDE stuff. The first is from Panda. I have been KDE curious for quite a while now. My first Linux love was SUSE with KDE around 2005 or so, but I have been using GNOME or Unity for most of the time after that. There is a thing that always drives me insane with Plasma. In a manner that is both intermittent and outrageous, it frequently stops responding. No key presses are registered or are ignored. Everything seems to keep on chugging along, but my input does nothing. 
This goes on for a couple of seconds and then everything goes back to normal. I have tried over this several decades with different distros and different machines, thinkpads and desktops mostly. The only common denominators are Plasma and myself, so I'm thinking that there is something wrong with either one of those or quite possibly both of us. Failing you, you just have no idea what this is about. You've never experienced it ever, have you? I, well, no, I haven't. <laughs> the, it does sound like it's a hardware issue, but given the fact that it's multiple hardware devices, it's really strange. I've never had anything like that at all. Yeah, especially with ThinkPads. This isn't some obscure hardware. Yeah, but I just wonder, is it something to do with... like I, I Okay, there's one time I had a, a machine that had weird lockups that used to happen, and it turned out the battery was going flaky on it. So I pulled the battery out, and then it was fine. Um but really, I, I, I really don't have anything, any problems like that at all. Like, like, it really depends on the hardware you have. Like, I mean, there's ThinkPads and there's ThinkPads. They're not all built equal. Mm, true. It's whether you get the FOSS-friendly sort of firmware and things like that. You know, it, hardware can really sting you nasty. Like, I, my very first laptop was in 2002, and that was a Sony Vio, and that thing was a pig because it had a weird ATI graphics card that I had to download the driver separately. That's where I went from, you know, using Linux as a part-time thing to full-time on it, and it was just horrible to get going. So, you know, it can really, really be down to your chipset. But, like, from a KD perspective, I just can't even think what would be going on there. It has to be some sort of weird error. The only idea I've got is something to do with the network, like maybe DNS lookups or something take too long. And while it's doing whatever it's doing, it just locks up. If it's across hardware, then I think that rules out a hardware specific issue. And so the network is the only common thing that I could think of. One thing you could do, obviously, with the usual, you know, get checking your D message and checking what processes are running with HTOP or TOP or whatever is the dot accession errors file you know a lot of times applications that are having mad issues will spew into that like it can grow crazily big and you know be worth looking at that so that's a hidden file in your home directory dot accession dash errors oftentimes if you've got something weird going on you might be lucky enough to find it in there but without any logs and stuff it's kind of tricky to pull that one out but it's definitely not normal have you ever experienced anything like that graham I have, but I usually put it down to the NVIDIA hardware and my wobbly windows and OpenGL V3 compositing. <laughs> right. Um, it's, it, it's usually the compositing and it's not generally across system. I, I, it doesn't happen on standard Intel CPUs when I'm using that integrated, um, graphics. Well, in my few months with KDE Neon on a dodgy box, I'd never had anything like that. For all the complaints and annoyances, that wasn't one of them. So, yeah, maybe the network thing or just, yeah, looking at logs is surely the only way there. The other one was from Johannes. He said, as a Mint Cinnamon user, I've been testing KDE via live USB. It looked quite promising, but I couldn't get my network printer working, which was no problem with Linux Mint at all, especially because of its great forum support. I signed in to the KDE user forums, but unfortunately, there does not seem to be a lot going on there. I found that really surprising because I always thought KDE was one of the most community-related projects. Could you ask Phelim where to get proper support as a KDE newbie? I assume he means KDE Neon with all of this. Yeah, I'm not sure, but um, it's been a long time since I've been a newbie with KDE, so 
I did one better and I asked uh, Alesh Paul from the actual KD president there to see what he said. And he said forums, mailing lists, chats, uh, they've got telegram groups, uh, matrix, and don't be scared reporting it to either the distro or to KD directly in the bug tracker. And I think, you know, even if you don't know what you're doing, you can always log a bug and say, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think it's here and they can always then correct the bug to the right various part of the framework or whatever that happens to be the the right issue and then they'll tell you what they need to get from it but you know even if it doesn't appear like you're getting anywhere there's always someone out there who has it you just might be hitting the wrong place yeah i think you've got to have a bit of patience you know you might have to post in a forum and then just subscribe to email alerts or whatever and just wait for someone to get back to you you can't necessarily expect people especially if they're volunteering to just get straight on your case for you and help you out immediately. And the same with IRC, you might have to idle there for hours or whatever and you know, then just uh, do it asynchronously almost. This reminds me of XKCD979, Wisdom of the Asians. Denver Coder 9, what did you see? <laughs> right, well, we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back next week when we'll be talking about what's been going on in the news probably. I'd probably better say something else because I still haven't sorted that music problem. I think I'm just going to have to do this every time because I'm far too lazy. That's enough then. So we'll be back next time. Until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.